Now, welcome to the CatTunes podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Crowley. On this podcast, I'm going to talk about the stories behind my songs, the production tools that I've used, the production methods that I've employed, the instruments that I've played, the instruments that I've discovered, the arrangement methods that I've used, the real-life stories which precipitated the creation of my entire albums or of my separate tracks. So let's jump right into it, shall we? And uh, welcome you listening to the CatTunes podcast. This is me, your host, Cat Corelli, and uh, this is the 30th episode of this podcast, and today we're going to be talking about the third track from the Overcome Super Album. Should I say Super Album? I mean, after all, it lasts more than four hours, so probably it is a Super Album. So, the name of this track is Sunrise Overture. This is the first long-form track on this album, and uh, I think I will try to reduce the first section of this podcast. Usually I have a three-part podcast, and on the first section I usually talk a little bit about, you know, the story behind the song or the track or something like that. And then on the second section I go into some music analysis, and then on the third I have a conclusion. So, in this case, because it's an enormous track, and I just anticipate a lot of stuff in the second portion of this podcast, I think I'll try to try to cut it short on the first one. Really, in essence, there's nothing to cut. This song, Sunrise Overture, it wasn't written right away. In fall 2006, when I started working on the first tracks for the Overcome album, those were the heavier tracks. I started uh, writing the lyrics for The Beast, as far as I remember, which happens somewhat further. Well still in the first half of the album, but however, uh, it happens a lot uh, further in the album. And A Damned Experiment and um, songs like that, and Perish, as far as I remember, was written in November that year. But Sunrise Overture, I wanted to write an overture to open the album, but I just didn't have a good candidate for that. I started writing something, it was just a sketch. So it lay there for a while, and um, remember I told you on the previous uh, episodes of this podcast that uh, essentially the fall, fall of 2006 was a horrible time, an absolutely dark chapter. And um, it was very difficult for me to find any semblance of hope and aspire to something better because everything was just horrible. So I'm thinking that Sunrise Overture could not possibly happen in fall that year, but it did happen a little later, and it happened after December 2006. What happened on December 14th, 2006, is that finally, with a little bit of research and a little bit of determination and a little bit of decision-making that I had to do on my behalf, I started to take my hormones, so I did embark on 
you know, the journey of my life. And I'm talking not just about the transition and about my hormones, about something like that. No, I'm talking about actually the ultimate decision to live. To live a life the way I want to live a life. The way I deem necessary for myself. So, you know, prior for two years I was waiting for the approval of the doctors and uh, I thought that I have to necessarily sit on my thumbs and wait and struggle through all of that, you know, through all that depression. But then I figured that the doctors are corrupt and the best I can do is uh, probably start on my own. I first thought that I couldn't, but then I figured that I can. At that point, I, I had a lot of thinking to do that November in 2006 because essentially it wasn't, it wasn't a question of, you know, just merely transitioning. It wasn't a question of just, you know, should I wait for the doctors or should I, should I, uh, should I not wait for the doctors? No, it, it was ultimately a question of, hey, this is me in 2006. Here's what I want. I want to live my life my way. I want to live my life as the woman that I am. And in order to live that life the way I see it, I have to take steps. And if I really ever want to hit those goals, then I better keep going. One way or another, I better find a way. I don't know how the heck am I going to do it, but I'm going to live. Because throughout fall 2006, I wasn't um, very much in, um, you know, living sort of mindset. I was basically dying. I didn't want to live. I didn't have the willpower to continue to pretend to be someone else, to continue to pretend to be someone who, you know, everybody else wanted, to, wanted me to be. I didn't want to be that person. It wasn't me at all. I've never been that person to begin with. So, in December 2006, I've taken that step. And I've decided firmly that from now on, I'm going to be living my life and nobody's gonna take that away from me no one at all and may God help me basically that was my decision I didn't want to die I was like enough is enough I'm gonna stand up for myself and I'm gonna do what I think is right to do in my life because this is my life it's my time the time of my life and nobody else is gonna solve anything for me nobody else is gonna help me nobody else at all so, um, so I had these sketches laying around, musical sketches, um, and actually I started already to, throughout the fall of 2006, I started to accumulate some sketches for the Overcome album, and I didn't yet know that it's going to be Overcome. Uh, I didn't have a title, I just knew that it's something huge, and I felt the necessity to write something huge and enormous, because I felt that the changes that are taking place in my life are monumental and they have enormous implications for myself, for my entire future life. It's something huge happening, so I had the sketches laying around and I wanted to assemble, I wanted to put together a, a huge album, uh, something like that. So some songs like The Beast, for example, I already started writing something. It wasn't initially conceived as part of Overcome album, it was just a song from an album I didn't I didn't yet have a title for, basically. And then, after December 14th, 2006, when I suddenly started to eat, when I suddenly started to look forward to some life, even though it was still damn tough and dark and uh, a horrible time, 
you know, my mom was still dying, so I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like all of a sudden I flipped a switch and everything was okay. No, it wasn't okay. But at least I felt that I'm on the right path. And so, one of those nights when I was sitting in the kitchen with my computer, I had a tower back then, a tower computer, and I would, you know, at night time, I would bring it from the nursery, I would bring it to the kitchen, and I would assemble it, reassemble it on the table, on the kitchen table, and I would sit there. Um, and it was basically like my home, you could say. So I remember in roughly that week before Christmas, I was actively working on Sunrise Overture. And all of a sudden I had a title for it. I had this title exactly, Sunrise Overture. The reason why it is Sunrise Overture is because, first of all, I wanted, for, some, for an album as huge as this, which I've envisioned in my mind, I wanted, I wanted an overture. And back then I just wanted one overture, and I think that I thought that it's going to be like a, I don't know, a 20-track album, or something like this. 16, maybe 18 tracks. I thought that I'll be able to tell the whole story. So, I wanted an overture, and then at the same time, because I started to do something, and I've decided that I'm going to live, that I'm not going to go away, that I'm not going to just lay down and die, I wanted to depict what happened. And I wanted to depict the kind of hopefulness that I felt at the time. Amidst all of this darkness, there was still, as I said, there was still plenty of darkness. It was just a little ray of light that I could see for myself. And I knew that that little ray of light is all I got. There was nothing else, nothing at all. Just this little baby step that I've made in the right direction. But at least that felt like something. Actually, that was a lot. So, I named this track Sunrise Overture because it's like the beginning of a whole day, the beginning of a whole era. I don't know, like a beginning of a new age in my life. That's what it meant to me. And then I just started writing lyrics and I sort of envisioned in my mind like a metaphor for what was going on in my life. And uh, as I said, hope. The hope that I've had for my future, the things that I was looking forward to. And I didn't describe all of them, but at least I was trying to depict where I came from and what actually happened. So I'm going to read you the lyrics and I think you will uh, understand what is it all about. So in the beginning, there is this extended intro with something coming out of, of the darkness, you could say, because, you know, there's also this synthesizer that plays this. A strange sort of wobbly noise, it almost begins like the very first track, like Tower Call. It almost starts in the same place, only that instead of going into something dark, ultimately dark, it sort of starts in a foggy place. A foggy and sort of murky place. But then you start to see the light. You start to hear that light, rather, because uh, you have high-pitched vocals, you have uh, the string section that appears somewhere on top of all of this. And here are the lyrics. Uh, the lyrics in the very intro say, repeatedly, actually, they say, Now I'm purified and cleared by the sunrise. Now I'm purified and cleared by the sunrise. And it repeats and it repeats and it repeats. And the intro itself takes a while. It's it's moving very slowly. It's a very 
slow development. It doesn't rush to any conclusions. And what I was trying to depict was exactly uh, the rising of the sun, because the sun doesn't just pop up on, uh, above the horizon. No, it doesn't do that. The sun gradually rises, and when it is still, still there on the line of the horizon, right? It's still misty and foggy and it might be damp and whatever and you still don't even know is it gonna be a sunny day is it gonna be an overcast day is there a storm brewing or something like that you just you don't really know because the first rays of the Sun didn't really cut through all of this morning fog and mist and murkiness it's just getting started so that's exactly what I was trying to depict through this intro and then it sort of escalates and it grows and it grows and it grows and finally we arrive to the first verse and it says here's an interesting one as I walked through the wilderness of this world I came to a certain place and in that place was a hill now I sit and gaze I can't say a word the views so enchanting the very air makes me healed so what's depicted here it's um, first of all the first two lines is almost a literal quote from John Bennion's The Pilgrim's Progress. This is a book from my childhood. I have been read this book several times, so I remembered entire sections of the text by heart. And basically the reason why I'm quoting this book here is because I'm at the very beginning. Back then, right? When I, at the time when I was writing this, I was at the very beginning of my journey. I am sort of quoting Christian from the Pilgrim's Progress to indicate that I'm at the same spot, that I'm about to break free, that I'm seeing a sunrise of a lifetime. That's what I'm witnessing. Only in John Bunyan's uh, Pilgrim's Progress, what you have is, uh, it says, I came to a certain place and in that place was a den. Now I've changed that to a hill because I wanted to show, I wanted to indicate that I am starting from a point at which I can observe certain things already. I'm not in a den, I'm not laying myself to sleep, and I don't see a vision. No, instead of that, I've climbed up a hill, metaphorically speaking, I've climbed up a hill, and now I can observe the valleys and the mountains far, far away. I can see all of it. And even though the valley is still covered in fog and it's still sort of murky, but I can all I already have a little bit of foresight. I already know somewhat where am I going and what am I aspiring for. So I wasn't completely lost like Christian. I was in a, in a more knowledgeable state, you could say. And then it says, now I sit and gaze, I can't say a word, the view's so enchanting, the very air makes me healed. That's what I found. I found that moment when I started to take my hormones, I started to come back to life, I started to eat again, I started to practice better, I started to focus on what do I really want, I started to feel like life is getting back into my veins, and I started to breathe. The air, it was winter, the air was very fresh, I remember just a few days after I got started, I was walking down a street in the, in the evening and I just sort of walked through a park and stopped for a few minutes and I just sat down in the snow and I was just breathing the air 
and watching the stars in the sky. And I was just feeling out my place in the universe. I was just feeling out my place in the universe. I was breathing in the cold, frosty air. And I was sensing how life is sort of getting back into me. I was sensing how ridiculous it was of me to think that I can just, you know, sort of call it quits and um, not live my life. That was such a ridiculous thing. I was so happy that I didn't end myself or, you know, do anything stupid. So that's why it is reflected in the lyrics. Then there is the the first hook uh, that says, I watch the sun that slowly inflames the sky. All my pain's gone. The fresh wind makes me shine. I can go anyway, anywhere. My road is waiting for my feet. Nevermore kept at bay. I differ from what I've been and what I've seemed. Well, once again, um, you have to excuse my English back from 2006. It was pretty weird. So, uh, what probably should have been said here is, I differ from what I've been and what I've seemed to be. But unfortunately, well, I didn't have a lot of space, you know, in that line and probably just crammed it together and, you know, needed to make a rhyme. So, pardon me, but you get the meaning. Then there's a second um, verse that goes, I could watch, but only now I can see the things that were hidden like they were forbidden from me. I could listen, but only now I can hear the tides of my future. The wind tells me what's gonna be. Again, it's a weird, weird way to say it, weird way to word it. The wind tells me what's gonna happen. That would be a more appropriate way to, to say it, all right? Uh, then again, there's the hook, and it goes, I watched this sky turn from black to blue. See, things are getting better. They're not as dark. It, they're not as horrible. They're not as nightmarish as they used to be. There is hope, and that hope is the sun, and that sun is rising slowly, and you can feel it in your every cell. You can feel it in your blood, you can feel it in your bones, that there is hope, and it's right there, behind the horizon. And all you gotta do, you just gotta be patient, and you gotta be moving towards the horizon, and everything's gonna be A-OK. -okay. So that's expressed here. Turn from black to... I watch the sky turn from black to blue. I'm sunlit, I'm high, I'm open for something new. Right. In order... In order for new things to happen, you gotta let go of everything that is old. So I had to let go of my old ways of thinking about things. I had to let go of my old fears in order to embrace my own future, in order to embrace my life that was unfolding under my, under my toes, under my feet, like a road. Then it says, I can be what I can, what I am, any kind of anyone, all depends on my choice, but I know I'll stay myself forever young. So, this is a weird sort of conundrum. On one hand, it might seem like all of a sudden you can become whoever you want. On the other hand, you understand that you're going to be you, and uniquely you, most importantly. That's what is being expressed here. In other words, um, what is expressed in these lines is the potential for opportunity, the potential for growth, for exploration of oneself, and uh, 
an exponential growth in those directions. But on the other hand, the acknowledgement of that, this is still going to be me. And as long as I keep growing, it's going to be, I'm going to stay myself and I'm going to be forever young. If I just keep growing and promoting this growth in myself, the growth of the spirit. And then, again, the, the last section of the lyrics is exactly... Uh, the same section that started the whole thing. So it says, now I'm purified and cleared by the sunrise. And it repeats and it repi repeats and it repeats. Now I'm purified and cleared by the sunrise. So it's almost like getting baptized by the sun. It's almost like getting baptized by the idea that there is hope that I am not done. That instead of just calling it quits and walking out on my own life, instead of that, well, I can clench my teeth, I can uh, set my mind to it, I can just stop being afraid of being me. And whatever happens, with God's help, I'm just going to do whatever I, whatever I have to do, and I will endure, and I will stand strong, and I will grow from there. That was my mindset at that point. And um, ultimately, I think it saved me. It saved me big time because um, I was driven by the circumstances of the late 2006, by the circumstances of that year, and especially that fall of 2006. I was driven to that point where I ultimately had to make a very real decision. Do I want to live or do I not want to live? And I wanted to live. I love life. I wanted to love life. I didn't love it very much at the time, but I wanted to love my life. And I wanted to actually live it. So I picked light over darkness. So I picked life over death. And that was my decision. So now that I have dissected this a little bit, let's move on to the music analysis, shall we? going to the music analysis of this piece and um, once again I'm not going to cover everything down to the slightest twists and changes in the riffs and that kind of stuff that would be a little too much and it would take a couple hours I guess to get through so I'm going to be extracting generalizations and I'm, but I'm going to try to keep it more or less to the point so the intro opens with a synth sort of thing that sort of wobbles. Uh, it's a um, bizarre sound that I made, made up of some odd samples and noises and then pitched it and made that sound out of it. And we're starting out in C-sharp. And in the beginning it's not immediately obvious. Is it C-sharp minor? Or or if it's C-sharp major, it sort of can go anyway. Just like with the sunrise, you don't know what kind of day is that going to be. Is it going to be a sunny day? Is it going to be sunny right away and you're going to have a sunny, beautiful morning? Or is it going to be an overcast, 
a drowsy morning with, um, you know, the fog and then some drizzle going on and something like this. So you don't know. Same here. So everything is sort of misty and it starts out there in the bottom. And then it takes shape and it takes shape and becomes more and more pulsating. And then at some point there is a vocal that shows up and it sings... This is in the very beginning, it starts out like that, and the vocal doesn't have any lyrics, and then all of a sudden, I'm pure, I'm pure and fine and clear and by sunrise. And this happens on the same chord progression, so. In the very, very beginning, there is something simple going on. There is a C-sharp, and now we sort of feel that it is a minor chord, because... I'm purified and clear and It's not precisely minor, it is minor and then it sort of fluctuates to a major and then goes back. But anyways, let's say it's a minor chord, right? So we have a C-sharp minor in the beginning. A C-sharp minor, then we have an F major plus 7, and then we have a D major plus 7 with a 9. And it doesn't show up in a single chord. It is scattered all over the place because there are the strings that show up and the vocal layers that show up and the synth is playing down there and then the bass is joining the party at some point. grows and grows and grows and the rhythm starts to vary a little bit and there is uh, a little bit of a deviation to this uh, chord progression well and one added step so in the very beginning you have three chords you have C sharp minor you have F major plus seven then you have a D major plus seven and a nine and then what happens is that there is a C sharp minor And the bass walks up to an F-sharp before it goes to an F-sharp major.
you see what's happening. And then with this being said, we're moving into the first verse. Uh, so it's basically the entire intro, and it's a long, long intro. It's built on the same chords. There is really no change going on. And then we're moving into the first verse, and the first verse is again the same chords. As I walk through the wilderness of this world, I came to a certain place, and that place was a So you see, it's the, the, the verse melody happens on the same exact chords again. same chords and you see how deviant the melody is we're sort of like um, when, we're, when we look at the melody itself say well we're alterating between natural minor and harmonic minor and sort of you know capitalizing on those differences there formally but just with the melody alone you wouldn't know without the context you would not fully understand what's going on so we're sort of in C sharp minor but um, sort of mod modulating back and forth. Then we're moving into the into the hook and the hook repeats itself further on in the song so it's basically the same the same kind of part um, with a few embellishments you know rhythmically and intensity wise. So I, Rather, this is like a little bridge before the hook, and then we go into the hook. I can go anywhere, anywhere my road is waiting for my feet. Never more kept at bay, I differ from basically the two same chords let me check these little uh, little changes there what do we have here 
Uh-huh. So you see, exactly, there's basically a sort of a very simplistic riff going on in the bottom, right? <clears throat> in, the bo in the bass line and in the quote-unquote electronic guitars. part is uh, happens right after the first verse and um, is like a little bridge that uh, is being built exactly on the same chord progression that we've already been introduced to throughout the entire intro and throughout the verse so nothing really changes here and um, the reason why it is written this way the same chords once again The reason why, and you see the vocal is not in line rhythmically with the chord changes underneath that's done deliberately. So it's sort of like the vocal is just in its own lane, doing its own little thing in its own uh, time signature, whereas uh, everything is still in four-fourths. It's like a, the vocalist here is like a floating spirit, you know, like a floating spirit above the mist, above the fog of the morning. You could You could say... Uh, that's what it is. But the harmonic progression down in the bottom is exactly the same, and it's not going to change on the second verse. Why? Well, because it's done purposefully to depict the steady rise of the sun. It's steady. It's consistent. It is the sun. the same bass line. going through the second verse uh, I could watch but only now I can see the things that were hidden like they were forbidden for me so again it's the same the same melody roughly speaking I could watch but only now I can see the bridge I watch the sky turn 
something new and then again there's the hook with the same I can be what I can what I am any any kind of anyone at the middle section and the middle section is slightly different so then immediately after the second hook you know that second bridge and hook we're moving into sort of a middle section that is modular in nature so we instead of landing in C sharp minor we're landing somewhat in C sharp major which is constantly changing and deviating because they're are vocals that keep singing forever young, forever young, forever young, and that is uh, in several vocal lines at the same time. Forever young, forever young, forever young, forever. And it hangs and it hangs and it hangs for like four, or oh, what is it? Eight bars of C sharp major. And then it moves on to. a D major plus seven for another eight bars and there are again variations of the same forever young forever young forever young and then after that we're moving to B flat major plus seven for another eight bars and after that we're moving another big third down, and we're uh, we are ending up on uh, G flat major plus seven for another eight bars. So this entire section, which consists of you know four times eight bars, which is which is thirty two bars, we're starting with a C sharp major plus seven that alterates between a plus seven and minus seven. A D major plus seven minus seven. Then a B flat major. And then a G flat major plus seven. With a nine, with an occasional nine. And then after that, we're moving into a whole sequence of themes that show up and disappear, show up and disappear. And it's almost like it's almost like a way to depict uh, what you see in the morning when the sun rises and finally there is light. And it starts, the, the sun beams, they, they light up everything around and they dance on the, on the grass and on the flowers and on the rooftops and on the trees and everywhere. These sunbeams are reaching out everywhere and illuminating every uh, every piece of reality. So that's what it basically is here. That's what is depicted 
uh, in this next section, which is, as I said, a multitude of themes that follow one after another with frequent, frequent modulations. For example, this one. So you see this whole section, uh, which lasts, what, eight or twelve bars, twelve bars. And then it dives into the next key, and it's just a lot of changes, it's a constant modulation. After that we end up with uh, one of the themes that is going to show up later on, that, that is going to become a major theme. Uh, it is going to become the central theme of Dissolve to Dawn. So we sort of anticipate everything that is going to happen later on. We see the seeds of it right now in the overture. And they're going to reappear later on in the album. So this part... going to become a major theme on Dissolve to Dawn, but it's also going to show up like a ghost theme that hovers this theme of sadness and despair and tragedy. is going to show up multiple times. It's ultimately a love theme, but a tragic one uh, that is engulfed with uh, sadness and uh, pain. And still, it is a very melodic, uh, melodic piece a melodic theme with much emotion in it and much love. I would say that this is, I would go so far as to say that this theme This is, uh, this is what unfulfilled love sounds like. This is exactly what it is. So, this one, for example, it shows up early on in the album, so it's, it shows up right here in the overture, and it's a major theme, so it has to show up that early. Uh, what do we have next? And then there is a sequence of modulations. Another major theme, only that the only that the chord progression underneath this theme is butchered deliberately and is sort of unstable. Bye. 
it appears later, but here we have just bits and pieces of this theme. Another, another tragic one. Uh, the Virgin Sundown starts with it. The Virgin Sundown is way, way into the album. Actually, it's in the second half of the album. But this melody, just like the previous one, they will show up over and over again. So they're like late motives that are supposed to show up early on in the overture. You're getting to see them, to hear them, to learn about them. And right now they're showing up without any context. They are just, you know... Uh, dancing in the morning sunbeams, dancing in the light, and uh, gradually emerging out of the fog. But that tells you a lot about what's coming, right? So, what's, what's next? So now we see a combo of whatever was going on in the intro. Uh, tam, pam, pa, pam. That was something that the guitar was playing in the in the intro. It resurfaces again, but now we're in a different key. We're not in C sharp minor like in the intro. We're in C minor all of a sudden. And the vocal is singing something absolutely different, and the chord progression underneath is different. It's developing, it's growing, it's not exactly the way it used to be in the very beginning. It's a different chord progression. It starts with C sharp, uh, with a C minor, excuse me, and then it goes into an A flat major plus seven, and then it goes into a, a B major plus seven, which is an incorrect way, simplified way to name it. Um, but however, that's what it is. So again, we're developing, we're developing. Everything starts to escalate a little bit, but it borrows from the very intro, from the very beginning of the song. That's why it's here. Now, this theme... This is from The Beast. The Beast will happen a lot further from now. The Beast will happen several tracks down the road. 
uh, not even in this first quarter of the album. It will happen a lot uh, further from now, a lot later. But the theme is already introduced because, again, it's a major one which shows up all over the place throughout the album. You will hear this little late motive. show up with different variations, but the key notes here are these. This is the late motive, and this is at the very, at the very center of the very core of this theme, once again, a recurring one. This is another important theme that shows up um, way down the road. It shows up uh, in Softwitch Glimmer. simple sort of almost like a folk melody So again, another, this is a theme from Backstab, a track that happens again a little later, but it's gonna happen sooner than later. 
uh, called backstab. So there is this melody. Again, another major theme uh, that consists basically of three chords. It's an E-flat minor. G major, plus seven. F uh, sharp major, minus seven, then E major and back to E flat minor. So it's a, it's a weird one. And then after that we're moving into, as I said, this is going to show up later on on backstab on that uh, on that track. Again, this theme, all of a sudden we uh, we make a leap of faith, a whole tritone into A. Remember I've introduced this melody already, this theme, uh, it was in a different key, it was in C minor, all of a sudden it's in A minor. So you see it's recurring and the texture is different. It can be more aggressive, it can be more uh, lyrical, it can be more dramatic, it can be sort of more melancholic. It sort of depends. And later on, on the album, you will see, or rather hear, the difference and how these melodies, these themes are being reintroduced and developed individually. So let's move on. So this barrage uh, is going to be reintroduced in the song Backstab. It's again the same story. Uh, 
Uh, that's gonna get reintroduced, and here all of a sudden it ramps up and it's more aggressive, uh, and that's gonna be the case in backstab. It's not gonna be a very peaceful theme that I can tell you. Let's move on. Now this thing that you just heard Do you remember this was the main theme from the tower call it's going to reappear again it's a major late motive that's going to be appearing all over the place throughout the entire album in various shapes and forms in various contexts it's gonna be always there lurking behind. This is like the past, and the the, uh, the the past that haunts you, the past that you come from and you can't dispose of. It's always gonna be there. It's something that is done and cannot be undone ever. Hence. Haunting theme. Uh, it can be aggressive, it can be haunting, but you get the point. Now what what happens next? Then there is basically a wild mashup of various themes that like in a blender they blend together and together and together and it's all modulation on modulation. various bits and pieces of whatever just already happened and it grows from there And the sun is rising, and the sun is rising and rising and rising higher and higher. So it's getting hotter. It escalates. And now you can see very clearly down the valley, the mist is dissipating. Everything clears up, there is, a, there is a steady groove all of a sudden that shows up. And the bass riff with the guitars, whatever, becomes more consistent. But the modulation is still there because the sound keeps rising. And again, from the very beginning you have the vocals. And we're back to the to the intro 
to the same chord progression to the same lyrics So you see it's the same chord progression. Everything, everything goes back to where it to where it began. So it is the sun. The sun has risen. And now after this chord progression has been there for a while now, we're sitting. C sharp major plus seven. A major plus seven. C major plus seven. Again, three chords, but everything is shining, it's broad daylight. three chords all of a sudden are major. Nines. Not just plus sevens, but nines. see the birds are singing and it's a very peaceful ending to this massive sunrise overture so here's the gist of it uh, you had in the intro a rather gloomy sort of sequence that went like this C sharp minor F sharp then we went into an F major plus 7 D major plus 7 and then that to C C-sharp minor. Now, you see the difference. What happens here in the very end is that after this major build-up on a large scale, it was slowly brewing, going through modulations and sort of pulling in and sucking in all of the little bits and pieces that were floating around in this overture. It sucked everything in on that last build-up and it went straight to the climax, all the way to the climactic point where all of a sudden you have this consistent groove, you know, and the, the drums are playing, the bass is rolling, you know, the guitars, the, elect the electronic guitars apparently are sort of slamming too. And then we land, not in minor, we land, we land with a C-sharp major plus seven. 
then instead of going into, uh, you know, F major plus 7, instead of that we're going to A major plus 7, which is sounds sort of joyful after whatever, you know, uh, we were introduced to throughout the song, right? And then a C major plus 7. All of these, these three chords are all plus 7 and 9, occasionally. Now here's another little trick uh, that's, that's going out there in the theory outro, is that uh, each of these chords are sort of being perceived as separate entities. So you have the C sharp major plus 7, occasionally 9, it is being, um, it is being used as if we are in Lydian major, so that means Occasionally, in the voicing, whatever surrounds that, in the guitar, in the strings, in the vocal. Then a C major plus 7, 9, same story. And back to C sharp major plus 7, 9. how it plays out. So in the end, the sun conquers everything, and we're in broad daylight, and now we can continue with our journey. And that is the purpose of the Sunrise Overture, and you can see how musical it is being depicted. And now let's move on to the next section of the podcast, shall we? So, just like I've just uh, mentioned, uh, the purpose of the Sunrise Overture is to depict, to show the sunrise, to show how there was more and more hope, how life was starting to come back, how everything starts to bloom and grow and flourish, and how from there on now that I can see the valley in front of me, now that I can see the path, now that I can see all the obstacles and all of those things, now with the light of day, I can proceed and I can continue on my journey. And that's exactly the way I felt at the time. It wasn't that I just made up this concept out of something or out of wishful thinking. No, that's exactly what was happening in my life. I've seen rebirth, I've seen growth, I've all of a sudden realized that actually I have a whole life to live. 
and I might as well just get get started with it regardless of whatever whatever dark place was at the beginning of my journey didn't matter the only thing that mattered is that I had to follow the Sun I had to follow my hope I had to follow my faith that I that I would prevail and I I had to believe that I would prevail and I did so the beginning of that journey in the beginning of that journey I had no one and nothing really to guide me or to conduct me except for this faith except for the Sun itself and so I turned to nature I turned to the sunrises I turned to the skies to the heavens to the animals to all of those things and though that man was living in a big city but still every time that I was looking at the Sun I was thinking to myself well it shows me the way and I should keep going I should keep going and I should feel blessed that I am alive that I have this opportunity to live in this wonderful amazing world that I should be thankful and I felt the more I thought about this the more gratitude I felt and uh, the more ashamed of myself over time I have become that once you know uh, down in my darkest chapter in fall 2006 I almost felt like I wanted to quit I almost felt like I wanted to quit but the more I moved away from that darkness the more I started to realize that I should be just appreciative of whatever I have that's a gift life is a wonderful gift and uh, it's better be lived otherwise the price of it is nothing so this is basically what I wanted to say about Sunrise Overture. As you can see, it's a massive, massive piece. Once again, if you want me to give you a more than detailed analysis of this, uh, and if you want to get some charts and look at, you know, look actually at, ch at the charts, reach out to me at LadyCatherineCorelli at gmail.com. This is LadyCatherineCorelli at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to see things for yourself. Now, if you haven't heard any of my music at all, I would encourage you, of course, to go and check my music out. And you can find me on any major streaming platform, be that Spotify or iTunes or Apple Music or any of those places. Uh, hell, even on YouTube. And all you got to do is just look for Catherine Corelli, Catherine with a C, Corelli with a C. On YouTube, actually, you can also discover my other show, which is called Cat Talk. And on that show, basically, I'm not talking about music, I'm also talking about other things. And uh, Cat Vibes, uh, that's a little playlist that I have there, and if you're interested in my recording process, in my everyday life, sometimes me working in the backyard, sometimes I'm painting something, sometimes I'm making something, whatever, uh, please check it out. And uh, if you like what I do, don't hesitate to subscribe to my YouTube channel and to follow me and to share my music if you if you like my music, if you like what I do, well, please share it. I'll appreciate this. Also, too, if you're interested in some of my products, visit my website, which is catcorelli.us. It is catcorelli.us. Uh, link is in the description in the footnotes to this show. And on that website, you can find some of my merch. You can find some other stuff about me. You can find also my discography and uh, the future releases that are being scheduled and that are being planned for the coming co couple of years. And also you can find my Southern Caracal products, which are mostly soaps and uh, body creams and that kind of stuff. With all this being said, thank you for spending your time with me. I appreciate you. 
Thank you for checking on my show. And I love you. I love y'all. And you will hear me on the next episode. Brrr.